on the Gravity Now podcast today. I am pleased to be joined by Kuar and Guy Polio. They're both members of the team over at Open Ocean, which is a cross-chain DEX aggregator. We're going to speak about that, what it means in a little bit. But before we get into that, Kuar and Polio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And just how are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. I mean, thanks for having us here. Always happy to, you know, get out and talk about DeFi because, you know, not many people I know in real life know about it. So happy to come join some like-minded folks talk about open ocean DeFi. You know. Yeah, really, really happy to come on and come on. Whenever I get a chance to open my mouth and talk about trading and stuff, and, <laughs> and hope that people can listen. I like to spread the word, you know, and. Um, we got a great thing going at Open Ocean, so it's been really nice to about, really. Absolutely. So, before we get into what Open Ocean is, we'll just start learning a little bit about what you guys, where you guys are coming from, and how you got involved with the space. So, if you don't mind me just asking, what's the background of both of you? Why'd you get into crypto? What's your crypto story? Um, I know a lot of the people who I bring on who are adjacent might have been lunatics at one point, so you can speak about that <laughs> if you had any experiences there, but just lay it all out. Let me know where you came from in crypto. <laughs> I think uh, I think both of us here are lunatics. I mean, guy still has his. He's still using his Luna Bowl. So I mean, I'll start. I can still you know. see the purple picture. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I got into crypto back in like 2017 when the space was mostly just people launching their own blockchains. Um, you know, I followed Bitcoin all the way up, all the way back down, and then kind of lost interest in that. Like you know, during the really, really long crypto winter. But uh, when DeFi came around and you know, like Ethereum became like an actual platform, that's kind of when I picked up interest again. I realized there was you know a lot happening in the space. So yeah, I mean, when DeFi started, I started you know looking at different coins, looking at different projects, seeing how like the entire space worked, and from there I kind of you know just started getting myself involved with these projects on, you know, like a, I guess I'd say case by case of freelance basis just to get my knowledge further. And then eventually, you know, I started picking up, picking up work wherever I could. And, you know, that's how, basically how I got involved with open ocean. I kind of just found them. Uh, they were happy with what I could do. I was happy to work with them. I liked their product and everything. So, so yeah, that's how I ended up here. All right. I'll try, try and condense what was uh, <laughs> probably a very turbulent and emotional four years. So, so I think it started in late 2017, early 2018, when a good buddy of mine uh, worked for Ontology. And uh, sort of, I'd heard of crypto, I'd owned it beef, but we're talking $20, $30 tops. So he approaches me and basically tells me about the this new project he's working for and invites me to go and work for them. So for Ontology. Um, and so that, that sort of proceeds and, and sort of fades away as crypto winters like sort of setting in. The events start drying up and becoming almost forget about it. And um, like my background in real work is in, in security. So uh, sort of go back to my day job and then spin around to sort of end of 2020 and back in the day. Um, and I see some tweets about terror. So I start, you know, learning and reading as much as I can. And yeah, it's a <laughs> bit of a sore subject right now. Uh, an ambassador for the community. So it was like helping on board people, um, helping people set up wallets, things like through social forms. Um, and then I, you know, I ended up in an NFT project, as you could probably see in my profile picture. 
Um, so, you know, we took that, ran with it, and it's been fantastic. Awesome community. Um, you know, even got to go to shine it. Um, and then fast forward through the May crash and everything that's happened, uh, um, you know, and picking up the pieces around us and, and looking for work. So we poured for more opportunities. Uh, and finally enough, the same buddy who, who uh, recommended me to join Ontology uh, was also working for Open Ocean. So hmm. we started chatting um, and decentralized trading. Uh, and here we are today. Very nice. And uh, for anyone who's listening and wants to see uh, another episode of the podcast, definitely go check out The Bull Club with Coleman. Shout out to The Bull Club, as uh, Guy just mentioned there. But hey, great backgrounds, great backgrounds to both of you. And yeah, you guys have been through uh, a lot and we, we have all experienced yeah. we've all experienced the, the great crash of Luna, which yeah, right. uh, I think will always stick with us for as long as we stay in the crypto space. Um, but let's get back onto the subject of open ocean now and, and shift into a bit about what the protocol does and um, what you guys are building over there. So I guess just give a background of the open ocean project. Um, how did this thing come together uh, and then lead that into what does open ocean do? What is a DEX aggregator? How is this thing being multi-chain? Just give a rundown of how it works after that. Cool. So, um, you know, like Guy and I weren't really there at the very, very beginning of the uh, of the launch of Open Ocean, but you know, just from interacting with the team and kind of curious about the same thing as you, we kind of, I mean, basically, it was a bunch of engineers from you know a bunch of like top Silicon Valley companies, and people in that space, of course, tend to be more involved with like the tech and upcoming you know industry changes. So, it was a team of them, like IBM. HP, things like all of them are from off the top of my head. Uh, they were based out of Singapore and kind of came together and realized, like, you know, re they realized earlier than us, basically, is like DeFi is this thing that's, that's going to, you know, change finance. So they came together and then started working on Open Ocean, which is, you know, a DEX aggregator, like we mentioned. And, you know, to get on more of what that exactly means, basically, when you have a bunch of different DEXs on a chain, they each have different amounts of liquidity, you know, based on incentives and things like that, as well as slightly different pricing, just because it's not perfectly efficient and there's there's gaps in time, this price changes. So what OpenOcean does and what a DEX aggregator means is that whenever you swap on OpenOcean, instead of your trade just being routed through one DEX, we can actually scan all the DEXs on that chain and all the pools on that chain and make sure you're getting the best pricing possible you know, whatever DEX that means. It may be one DEX, or sometimes if you're swapping really, really big, you may even need to route it through two or three DEXs. And you can do this. Mm. And that's the tack on to the end of that. Um, that's why a lot of problem, a lot of the, the, the liquidity is siloed. This is like we have that, our, our smart routing algorithm it's to break down your trade into two or three smaller trades. Our algorithm is constantly analyzing that and analyzing the gas fees, and it's always jumping to whichever is actually the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the one of the things in finance, especially, is that money always wants to go find the cheapest possible route, and we see with things such as like and no and no shade. Is, I mean, things think of like a, a dex like Uniswap, right? And people usually just get in the habit of going to Uniswap naturally because that's what they're used to doing and they're going to pay that fee or whatever. Um, but 
in broad capital markets, especially with institutions, they're always going to be looking for what's that best deal? Where can I get the most liquidity? What's going to have like the lowest fees? And so it sounds like you guys are really trying to aim towards creating the most efficient method of uh, allowing money to flow uh, to the to, to the least expensive source, essentially. Um, and then going off of that, there's also I know there's a cross chain aspect to this as well, right? So. I know, I think it's, I think you have like 16 or 20 <laughs> different networks you're currently utilizing, but I yeah. guess, can you, can you briefly explain? So are you doing cross-chain swaps as well and bridging? Um, and how does that work a bit? Sure. So uh, we don't do like cross-chain swaps yet. That's actually something on the roadmap, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, we do support like 16 different networks right now. We integrate basically, you know, all the EVMs you could think of, EVMs 99% of people are using. That's Ethereum, Avalanche, the Binance Smart Chain, Arbitron Optimism, whatever you can think of. So we support all of those chains. And, you know, whenever you need to swap, our goal is kind of to be like this hub, right? So whenever you need to swap, instead of being comfortable with, you know, one DEX on each chain, like you mentioned, people on Ethereum or Arbitron may go to Uniswap or on Avalanche, they may go to Trader Joe's, whatever they're comfortable with. We kind of want to become that comfort space, mostly because, A, we're available on every single chain, right? So whatever chain you're on, you don't know every DEX, you just come to OpenOcean, we'll have all the tokens you want listed. And B, when you swap through us, like we mentioned before, you're getting the best price, right? So it's not like we want you to just be comfortable with us because we want all of your volume. I mean, that's part of it, but we want you to be comfortable with us because <laughs> we're, we're getting you the best fills possible. Coming off of that then, so right now, DeFi has some mixed opinions. You know, we're, we're experiencing what it means for DeFi to experience a recessionary environment. Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing a growth slowdown in broader markets and how that's affecting everything. And quite honestly, I mean, you know, DeFi has survived these downturns mm -hmm. in the past, and that is, um, you know, more traditional applications like uh, Aave and Uniswap. Um, but right now, there's also this this problem, you know, we're seeing with a lot of different um, protocols, such as, well, I'm not going to name names, but actually just highly inflationary, let's say, liquidity pools, and they're just giving out tokens to incentivize users, and there's really no internal methodology of making sure there's long-term sustainability and yield there. I guess where I'm going with this point is, what are the most pressing issues you see with DeFi right now? Maybe you can speak about what, what, a little bit of what I just mentioned. Um, and how does OpenOcean hope to play into that role of fixing what you guys think are the most uh, problematic areas right now? Sure. So, I mean, Guy, you want to start? I'll jump on this um you know i mean when we're discussing decentralization and, and and centralization there's there's a really big kind of boom there um you need centralization and half the people thinking that we don't but in a cohesive like sort of crypto industry like people need to understand that both these like sort of things can work together have the decentralized platforms but i think more important like the fact that we need to uh, to champion DeFi um, and in a sort of nice, nice respect, like look after it, to value the openness of everything. You know, there's been some pretty high profile cases recently where open, you know, open code and stuff has caused trouble for people. Um, but I think that, that what thing decentralized, you know, like we have, we, we've introduced new platform features to sort of mimic those experiences that you're getting on exchanges but you'll be able to do it in a sort of decentralized the idea of, of being 
able to, to to mimic those core things that people go to centralized exchanges for you know like the reliability the security and things like that and if we can bring those like sort of user experience like because that's at the end of the day what we're doing we're providing a decentralized platform for people to swap amongst all these pools you know we're not asking for kyc you can just jump on connect your wallet and, and know you're getting the most um, efficient swaps so i think it's really important that you know even though say that we have a team often that these two aspects of crypto can work together and that we push the sort of you know um like the decentralized nature are still people in the market you know shouting for it and pushing for it um as regards to to protocols you know simply paying out tokens for increased yield it's absolutely caps you know we're not we're not going to go mm. above a certain supply um but yeah that you know we've got lots of people using that token in in staking and, and lping and use our tokens you know that's why we're in. we've got a lot of features we're introducing but i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes <laughs> mm -hmm. and Kawar, is there anything you want to add on top of that yeah, I mean, I think if we're just discussing like the biggest problems in DeFi, um, you know, getting away from like open ocean or anything like that, I feel like one of the problems is like the stickiness of capital across like the entire space, right? Because like you mentioned, the reason that people have to incentivize liquidity so hard and, you know, dump their tokens on the market is because capital doesn't want to stay around, right? Unless it's like actively making money, right? Because like in the, uh, let's say in the, the traditional finance world, like if you own a stocker, you're earning interest on something. If that yield falls or, you know, whatever you're invested in, um, like if it's a stock, you know, the price falls, like odds are you're still going to hold it. But uh, because DeFi is so new and people are, you know, not confident in it yet, as soon as prices fall, people leave, which means prices fall more. So it creates kind of like this cycle, which is giving us increased volatility we see mm -hmm. in incentivizing liquidity to keep that capital sticky is why we see such high inflation. So I think in general, as the space gets more and more reliable, like people will provide liquidity for swap fees only and not necessarily need like, you know, oh, like 1000% APR a day to uh, to keep their capital on. So I would say in general, like the stickiness of capital is kind of like DeFi's biggest issue and kind of only gets solved with time. I remember when I was first getting into the DeFi space and I was just, I'd be online and I'd be like, what, how, how are they paying out a thousand percent APR? <laughs> like, what does that even mean? And then... And then everyone has that first moment when they realize what impermanent loss is and like, oh, yeah. Yeah. that was the catch. Like my coins went to zero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, like one of my first DeFi investments ever, right, is was uh what was it? Like the Wonderland time. And I was like, oh, oh one man. billion percent APR? It sounds sounds legit, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good to me. I mean, right. it's just, I'll be a billionaire in three days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's how it works. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, tough lessons to learn, but exactly. important ones as well. Um, all right, we'll keep moving forward here a bit. And actually, I, I do want to just move the token now because I know Guy was was mentioning it, it there briefly. Yeah. Um, where does the Open Ocean token fit into all of this? How does it power the ecosystem? Is there anything you know unique about it that you guys want to feature? Just give me the rundown on its highlights. Sure. So, um, like you mentioned, uh, Open Ocean is kind of for now just a governance token. We use it for rewards to either provide liquidity and now we use it as like the, you know, the fuel for the referral program. 
Um, so right now, yeah, it is kind of mostly a reward and it does, we don't have any uh, like revenue streams coming towards it yet because our uh, aggregator is like free, right? We don't want to charge fees on something that intends to get you the lowest price possible. Otherwise it kind of defeats the purpose. So right now there are no revenue streams for it, but we are actively working on things. Like we have, uh, have a couple things we can announce a little bit later when we discuss the roadmap. But uh, in the short term, yeah, there are revenue streams coming to it. But uh, yeah, like I mentioned for now, it's mostly just the reward token we use to get users to use our platform and kind of recognize the benefits of it and also like reward them for doing so. Mm -hmm. Is it a bit like the Uniswap token right now, you'd say, in that same nature, maybe less of yeah. a treasury aspect behind it? But yeah, because I guess, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and then as you know, time goes on, we'll have to see what the details are about how you're exactly. going to update the tokenomics there. But you also you did mention governance uh, through that, and so we do have to speak a little bit about where mm -hmm. governance plays into this. Um, before we get into there, actually, what is I want to ask both of you guys just to set the the baseline standard. What does decentralization mean to each of you? Um, I think it's just an important contextual concept to have before you get into the nitty gritty of governance on the actual protocol itself. So. Uh, you guys just go ahead and <laughs> what does decentralization mean to you? You know, why is that one of the reasons you're in the space and all of that? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start off on this one. Um, I, yeah, like a lot of, of young teenagers still harbor the, I have a real big dislike for authority. Decentralization is about putting the hat, yeah, putting the power back in control of, you know, the people, the, the everyday users, um, you know, I've watched the big short of our traditional financial system. And when, when you you're, when you started dipping your toes into crypto and you realize like the power that you can harness literally from person to person, it sort of changes your view a little bit. And so, yeah, for me, decentralization is uh, about, about, you know, giving everybody a little bit power giving everybody recognizing you know that there might be majority trends that say you don't necessarily agree with but as you've been aired as you've been allowed that platform to air your point i mean a cohesive you know discussion and agreement about something before for you know whatever it is that you're discussing gets enacted um so i think mm -hmm. yeah everybody have a say um, and you know, to what that looks like on on, on the platform, uh, we, we're going to see same with our community. But um, to me, decentralization, like I agree with Guy mostly that uh, it's about giving people control back. But I also think a big part of decentralization is about uh, kind of making the the uh, I don't know. I'd almost say like a battleground, right? The battleground of finance. It's about making it more equal to all players, right? Because uh, in terms of both information and the actual flow of capital, both of those in traditional finance we see are, you know, they're held pretty close to their chest. So information in crypto is very decentralized because, I mean, basically everything you need to know is available on the blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, these teams are a lot smaller, a lot more leaner. So we, we have more of a direct uh, involvement in what's going on, right? And all of us as stakeholders that's holding their tokens, they're kind of more open with us right because we know like the finance like it moves so fast that if a team isn't open or they aren't clear right like they see the implications of that more quickly 
not only that in terms of information, but like directly in terms of finance, like it becomes way more decentralized in terms of where all that income is going, right? Because, uh, you know, if you buy traditional stock, right, you may get a dividend, but that's basically it. But meanwhile, in crypto, right, like the revenue is basically one to one. Basically, all the revenue a protocol gets is handed directly back to the, uh, the stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So anybody who's providing liquidity, like say, you know, if you deposit USDC on Aave, right, and you want to treat Aave like a bank instead of, you know, the depositor getting zero percent and like Chase Bank getting 10 percent off the, uh, the money they lend out. Basically, all that revenue that is collected from the borrowers is given directly back to the lenders. So, right. yeah, it's about making everything a little bit more fair. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think decentralization has to mean like every voter gets like, you know, full impact on every decision because, I mean, maybe a little bit controversial here, but I feel like sometimes having like, you know, a leader who knows, who has like a vision for the product can be very beneficial. So I don't think it necessarily means every... Um, every token has to vote every time but i do think it uh, it means a lot about fairness in both finance and uh, information yeah great answers by both of you guys and decentralization does not necessarily mean anarchy uh, and that's exactly. one of the themes one of the themes of the podcast has been looking at how people view decentralization what it means to them and seeing kind of the wide range of it's a very it's a very very vague word decentralization mm -hmm. and everyone has their own way of viewing it there tends to be a lot of crossroads in how people also define it but yeah as you mentioned like there's also for some projects and some what communities like it is better to have more of a leadership style versus others where it might be better just to have it completely almost free reign versus people in the middle and it's it's a wide range and we're all figuring out what it means and how uh, our communities are best affected by it and how to best utilize it um but taking those definitions you just gave me now could you tie it into the idea of what Open Ocean is trying to do with decentralization? Um, how is Open Ocean contributing decentralization uh, and helping um, helping in, in, encourage some of the aspects that you just both of you just mentioned? Right. So, first of all, I will mention that we have a, like a DAO being developed. Right. It's in testing right now. It's going to come out, and we're going to use that to give the Open Ocean token holders like some direct impact on how we actually you know move the platform. But, uh, you know, we're not going to devolve to total anarchy, like you said. We're still going to, you know, take these decisions with a grain of salt and just kind of use it as a, like a finger in the wind, if you will, to see kind of what the open ocean community wants us to do and see how we can uh, enact those and make them happy. So that's kind of the direction we're going for with our decentralization. But in terms of how our platform actually like contributes to the vision of it, I mean, first of all, like, you know, we split up volume among multiple DEXs. So we're kind of decentralizing where all these, uh, where all volume is flowing, right? So it's not just based on whoever's got the best marketing. It's actually who's providing the most equitable returns for people, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I I mean, I feel like Uniswap tomorrow could raise their swap fees to like from 0.3 to like, you know, 0.5%. And it'd still retain the majority of their volume, right? But um, like, we don't think that, you know, your swap volume should be based just on however good your marketing is or however loyal your customers are, but should be based on, you know, the service and the pricing and the slippage you're providing for your users. So we also want to put decentralization out in that way and kind of provide, like I mentioned, that kind of equity, that kind of fairness for our users as well. We can't really talk about it too much as it's still in the testing phase, but I'm really excited, like, to roll out the DAO. Really, really excited, mostly because uh, yeah, when it's planning before, so um, I can't, can't wait to get stuck in uh, and start seeing all the polls. Um, 
that we get and, and you know, getting direct user feedback on, on basically how you can't tell. Oh, I'm very pumped about getting that. <laughs> Get that. Amazing. Up and running. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And the thing over here at Gravity is that we're all about governance. We all, mm. we all tend to be very interesting governance with the Lunar Assistant and enabling DAOs to be able to do whatever they want, essentially, with, with how they want to run things. I know you guys can't give away too many details, but at first, the DAO is going to be more of a community thermometer. I, I, I hate that metaphor, but yeah, it's going to be almost, it's going to be taking the temperature on the community, you know, figuring out where people are standing on certain issues. And then mm -hmm. is there a transitioning point? Can you just, if you can, can you walk me through a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, in my personal opinion, right, I feel like sometimes and I think we've seen this in the past, sometimes decentralization is kind of used as like a like a way to shoulder off responsibility. Like I think in the past, we've seen projects that say that launch, right, get their founders rich, and then they say, all right, we're switching to be fully decentralized, right? <laughs> Just because they don't have to develop anymore if they do that. So we want to make it like really clear that's not the direction we're going in, right? So if we say that we're adding aspects of decentralization, we want to make it clear that it's a path we're walking towards decentralization and not just kind of like, you know, letting the team go and it's all up to our community. So, yeah. So, I mean, like we said at the beginning, it's going to kind of be just, you know, gauging temperature, seeing what our community wants us to do and kind of acting on it. And of course, there'll be like direct parameters they can change just through the governance vote, like certain uh, like swap parameters, things like that. But, uh, but yeah, eventually, you know, we hope to integrate more and more with the DAO and kind of give them more direct influence on where we're going. But for now, it's a, uh, we think it's going to be wiser for us to, you know, maintain the team we have and kind of maintain the original vision we have out for the product just so, um, you know, we can get our users the most amount of value and eventually that'll bring more people to the data to begin with. Oh, that's something I actually want to be a part of and, you know, hopefully spread it via word of mouth that way. And then, oh, one of the things I forgot to mention was that the DAO at the beginning will have like some aspects of treasury management to it, which also gives it uh, quite a bit of value, like you said, in terms of like how how Uniswap runs it. So mm -hmm. it'll be kind of like uh, almost like a backing price of the uh, like the token in terms of like how much of the treasury manages, which is uh, kind of like a common model for that kind of thing. Very nice. Yeah, no, a lot. Of, it is great to see that there's going to be some sort of community feedback, especially with the community treasury and seeing how that could hopefully um, bolster the value of the open ocean token and right. giving it some sort of quote unquote backing behind um, behind it, behind its monetary unit. And before we get into the wrapping up questions, guys, I do want to ask you, this is, this isn't something I, I had planned out for you, maybe a bit of a curveball, but, um, I do, I do, I am curious cause this is, this is a tough area to, to be focusing in. I mean, this is, you do have competition out there. Um, mm -hmm. and I guess it, it is, it is going to be difficult to stand out above the rest. Um, what is it about open ocean in your opinions that, uh, gives, uh, the protocol an edge on other potential competitors. Um, I won't name names, but you know, one of them out there, for example, <laughs> rhymes with a Norse god. Um, <laughs> so let's just say uh, there's there's a lot there's 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 many people who are looking into the space, and there's you know there's a need for it as well because we've seen with all the security issues between uh, bridging assets or just once again you know getting the cheapest fees or having um, a, a liquidity hub for institutions instead of them having to worry about maybe. Uh, some of the issues with Uniswap and, and other decks like Trader Joe that mm -hmm. aren't really optimized towards institutions. So what is it about Open Ocean, in your opinion, that really gives it an edge on any potential competition? I would say that, 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 that you know, we folk, we're, we're on, you say, the, the professional trader who's turning over 
millions in volume, the institutional trader who's turning over 10 millions, or the use, this, you know, the simple user who might only whatever it is, you know, um, our, our goal out of all of those, like I would say to you right now, open up a tab on your browser and pull up other leading competitors and type in a trade with certain volume match. Um, so it, it really is, I think, um, you know, our, our, our message is basically to cover as many liquidity sources as we can securely cover new, new platforms all the time um, across, across all the chains that we support. Um, and I think that, you know, people um, sort of having uh, a company for like almost Daily, we're integrating more and more liquidity. Really, our, our message about you know grow, growing this space as wide as we can and property really for the user, regardless of whether it's a huge whale trader or someone who just wants to come on and buy fifty dollars of BNB or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just for specifically about institutions, I think you know the major differentiator, like what Guy said, is just basically just volume and risk tolerance, right? So. The way we address both those, I mean, in terms of volumes, obviously we spread out among multiple decks as when necessary. And then in the future we're integrating like these cross chain swaps. So you can tap into liquidity sources from every chain. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want to swap like, you know, a million dollars of uh, USDC into ETH, doing it through Uniswap is probably going to lend you like, you know, three to 4% slippage. Right. If you want to split it on open ocean among all the decks on Ethereum, you can probably get down to like, you know, half a percent slippage. Right. But then once you incorporate, you know, all 16, 17 chains we support, you can probably get that down to basically no slippage at all. So mm -hmm. for institutions, that's definitely something that we're looking into to, uh, you know, continue to getting them the best price across every liquidity pool, you know, make sure their trades aren't going to get front run or anything like that. And in terms of risk aversion, like we, make it a point to hold as little funds on the platform as possible. Right. So all of our contracts, like they don't hold any funds. Like your, your trade is done in just in one transaction. The tokens are in your wallet one block and the new tokens are in your wallet the next block. Right. So even our limit orders, we don't hold the, uh, the funds on our platform. They stay in your wallet until the trade gets executed. And for, um, what was the last thing I was going to say? Uh, it escapes my mind right now, but, uh, but yeah, we don't hold any funds on the platform when we don't have to. And it's kind of, uh, you know, oh, right. I remember the, uh, when you actually go to trade on open ocean, right. You don't actually have to approve unlimited spend, right. Cause whenever you mm -hmm. go to trade, there's another button there that says unlock exactly how much you want to do for the trade. So security is kind of like, you know, a really, really big thing for us as it should be for everyone. But, uh, you know, we provide additional options and additional kind of insurance to make sure that, uh, you know, the trading operation is going to go smooth and you're not exposed to any risk after the fact either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well put to both of you. And the money, the money in liquidity in Web3, crypto, whatever you want to call it, it's out there. I mean, it is a trillion dollar asset class, so mm -hmm. very small in terms of the, the broader scale of, of different, uh, different valuations and asset classes. But um Regardless, there is money that people should have access to in many cases. It's just it's walled off because it's on a different chain or the for whatever reason, it's, it's basically you can't communicate with X to Y. Um, and the big idea is how can you bridge all of that and put it together? And there's an incredibly important, especially from institutional money, which is going to be what gets us from being a one to three trillion dollar asset class to a 100 trillion dollar 200 trillion dollar asset class will be 
getting that money in there and we're going to need the rails and i think what open ocean is trying to do is create a source whether you are the uh, small joe like myself and you're just going in there to buy some 100 hundred dollar meme coin or you, you are a um, an institution that is trying to get access to thousands upon thousands uh if not millions of dollars of capital um you're giving them the rails to actually do that in an efficient manner and not lose five to ten percent on slippage which i think is uh, an incredibly important offering um going into our wrapping up questions here guys um i really want to ask you about the roadmap for mm -hmm. open ocean right now and i guess to both of you if you could just provide uh, a one minute timeline maybe i mean one minute being a loose loose time cap here but Provide me the timeline of what new things are coming in development, what people should look forward to, maybe some of the launch dates and some of those developments, mm -hmm. and basically what's going on with Open Ocean right now. All right, one minute. I'm looking at the clock here. You so, don't have to. You don't have to stay yeah. one minute. Don't worry. So, <laughs> I'm hold you uh, to that. Like we no, mentioned, in the short term, <laughs> in the short term, we've got the the DAO coming out to give uh, governance value to the Open Ocean token. We've got the cross chain swaps to make sure you know as low slippage as possible, best price in other chains. And then a little bit further out, things that we're exploring but haven't really um, like committed to release dates or anything like that for is an NFT aggregator, right? Because there's more and more mm. marketplaces popping up. So ideally, you'd be able to search through everything on just one page. That's what we're kind of aiming for. And then um, what was the last thing? I forgot. Derivatives aggregator, right? So perpetual swaps, things like that. Again, uh, making sure you can explore all the different prices because especially for derivatives, right? Like because their their price is not hard pegged, right? There's a little bit more variance in derivatives compared to the spot price. So aggregating those is going to probably benefit even more for um, not only, you know, our users getting them good pricing on derivatives, but for the exchanges themselves. Because if you're being routed to the cheapest one, it's going to help you keep a more accurate peg. So, so those are some things that are a little bit further out on the horizon, but, uh, you know, still on our radar, still being explored. That's huge. Especially mm -hmm. NFT and derivative aggregators, and yeah. NFT aggregators too. I mean, like, think about that. I, I really, I, I know that there's some in development right now, but like, I, that's one of those things that we need so desperately to be mainstream adopted and have it mm -hmm. done well. So I, I am excited to see where you guys develop with that. Yeah, just very kind of uh, what we're like, where we're going. Uh, um, I'm going to give you like a uh, one minute rundown of what we've just done. Um, so like recently, you know, we've had a big. Uh, even introduced limit orders uh, on, on five different chains so you can go and set your orders uh, trading a sleep so that when ethereum dumps 30 percent overnight you can hit hit your hit your, um, but also we've reworked our, our our smart routing and our algorithm to give even better trades so you know we're that's something that we're constantly monitoring and, and something that we're um, like i mentioned there earlier in our sort of quest to get people away from centralized exchanges we've introduced our very own charting package so hmm. you can go on the site load up as which I, I believe that not not many other people are doing that right at this at this moment and the charts thankfully provided by deck screen give you access to you know all your favorite indicators elliot waves and trade um have all, all your your charts and your drawings and you know your resistances pop up uh, and basically just make the open ocean a hub where you can go and trade every day and have all those features aggregator right. i think i think i overran just 
a bit of a minute. But <laughs> <laughs> tried to squeeze it. In. Uh, I'm gonna have to cut you off right there. It was a minute and one second. Uh, I don't know if we accept uh, that uh, one. <laughs> yeah, no. Thank you guys for all the information. I think there's a lot happening with the project. I'm glad mm -hmm. to see it being so vibrant and community excited about it. Um, yeah, I want to thank both of you for your time today. But before we clear up and finish up and wrap up, uh, I do want to get into our final question, which is not crypto related. It's a fun fact question. And I, I, I did write this one, I think, a couple days ago. And I was like, I don't know what they're going to say when I ask this, but um, <laughs> I didn't include Do Kwan, so. <laughs> so I think that might be wise. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, I could have gone for the most controversial figures or, the, or some safer figures. But anyways, the question I have for both of you, if you had to be stranded on an island with either Vitalik, Charles Hoskinson, or CZ from Binance, who would you choose and why? <laughs> Uh, give me a second to think about that. Well, you want to go first, guy? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I will go. I will go. Good question. Um, I would probably have to go with Charles, only for the simple reason is that I believe that, um, like, I'm not sure Zed would probably be trying to like sell the seashells back to the crabs, uh, but I figured me and Charles would probably be sitting on the beach arguing the whole entire time so i would say no shortage of entertainment i feel like we'd, we'd there you go we disagree on a lot of topics yeah <laughs> all right nice uh nice. all right i feel like first person i can exclude is vitalik right because i've seen wow. his twitter he's, he's a very he's a very smart guy right he posts a lot of like philosophical takes which i think are like really really interesting to read about but, uh, I mean, in terms of being stuck on an island, um, you know, great conversation does not bring in great, you know, crop yields. So, so while I respect him and I love reading his Twitter, I love reading his <laughs> discussions, uh, I question his ability to help us survive on the island. Uh -huh. um, CZ, I mean, CZ will probably fare a little bit better. I feel like, you know, I feel like he's a, you know, get stuff done kind of person. So, I feel like... Uh, you know, our odds are improved with CZ around. Unfortunately, I don't really know too much about Charles, but I saw this like one really cool picture of him like farming mushrooms or something. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe that could be useful. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I might have to go with Charles just because I've actually seen him like, you know, grow some food. I think, okay, so we got, we got go with Charles because you can argue with him and go with Charles because he's a rancher. He is a rancher. I don't know yeah. if there's a correct answer here because, you know, it's subjective, but if I think if there's a correct answer, it'd be Charles Hoskinson because, yeah. you know, he... I yeah, think he, I'm going to go with the pure entertainment factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going with the entertainment one. I mean, he might help you live, but who cares about that? Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, thank you for answering, guys. It's That's funny. I, I was writing this up. I'm like, I have no idea what they're going to say, but I feel like Charles Hoskinson because I think he has a ranch in Colorado would probably make No, it's a great question. <laughs> Anyways, um, our, our final little wrapping up <laughs> bit here. Um, where should I send listeners to learn more about Open Ocean? Any websites, social media? What's the best way to get involved and learn more? Uh, yeah, I, I'll go for that one. So, I mean, number one is going to be, you know, app.openocean.finance. You know, look at our platform. You can trade through there. Run some example quotes for yourself if you want. For our community, you know, obviously follow our Twitter. We announce a lot of things there, and we try and keep it pretty active, get news out to you guys as much as possible. And then also our Discord community. You know, we've been ramping up a lot of uh, activity there. We run basically, I think at this point, like two or three events a week just to 
you know, get engagement, get people looking at the platform, sharing whatever they think is valuable. We try and, uh, you know, share whatever alpha we think is going on in the industry there as well. So the Discord's a pretty great place to start interacting with our community. And, you know, we have a lot of team members there directly if you want to converse with them or otherwise. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. So our Discord, our Twitter, our website, of course. And um, I will mention again, we have this awesome referral program. So if you share the uh, referral link, both you and your friend can get some uh, some rebate back on your gas fees in the Open Ocean token. It's a uh, it's completely free for everyone to use, so there's no downsides. Just uh, you know, send you and your friend to the Open Ocean referral link, trade through Open Ocean, and you guys both get a little bit of uh, cash back. Cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And if you're listening or watching to this episode, I will make sure to have all those links down in the show notes. Uh, Guy and Kawar. Thank you so much for your time today. I love learning more about Open Ocean. Really excited to see what you guys continue building on here. I think there's a lot of potential, especially in this bear market and just opportunities for these protocols to continue uh, innovating and thriving in their own little little workshops. And then eventually as they go to public, we'll see what happens. But I'm excited for the future and uh, looking forward to it. So thank you again, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure talking with you guys.